On this week's episode of Pivotal Moments Podcast, I interview Leo Manzano, Olympic medalist and talent acquisition specialist for future Olympians. I'm your host, Greg Carlson, Navy veteran, top 1% of realtors in the United States and mindset enthusiast. Let's get started, shall we? All right. Mr. Manzano. We can just call me Leo. <laughs> Mr. Leo. Yeah, we're not just Leo right into it, but I can tell you're from Texas. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one thing I noticed about you, as soon as you walked in the door, gosh, nothing but smiles. And that, uh, that goes a long way. You know why? Because I think people are uh, a little afraid to smile. This yeah. day and age. Yeah, I mean, or everybody's on, I mean, everybody, including me, right? I'm, I'm guilty of being on the phone too. Like you just kind of stare at the phone. It's the thing that we all do innately or un- subconsciously. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Staring at the phone. Yeah. What are you staring at when you're on the phone? I mean, it depends, right? But nine times yeah. out of 10, it's probably nothing, right? You're just scrolling or subconscious, subconsciously scrolling. Mm. Mm. So let's paint a picture for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thanks for coming in and bringing the energy into this office. I mean, this office is already full of energy. Yeah. You brought it to the next level. You came in here. I don't <laughs> no, know if you, you. you knew that. So thank no, you so I, much. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Um, and uh, Olympics. Okay. What percent of the population can say that they uh, even competed? What would you say? I mean, it's like point zero, point zero, 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 zero something, something percent. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not going to give you the exact percentage because I don't know, but I know it's like very, very minimal. Well, the, the percentage of people that even complete a marathon is like yeah. 1%. Yeah. Of the whole population. So yeah. take that and divide it by who knows how much, right? Yeah. Well, it's, wow. you know, if you think about it too, it's like, there's another one that like people that can get a division one scholarship at a university is like very like 0.00, right? Mm. So then you take it another step further and you're like making a, you know, Olympics or whatnot. And that's like, but yeah. <laughs> and you did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, um, I did it twice. Twice. I, I missed my third one by two tenths of a second. That was <clears throat> an interesting time and an interesting race. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah. Just, and we're going to talk about that. Okay. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. The, 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 um, yeah. What, what would it be without actually talking about the good stuff? Yeah. What we're going to talk about first. Uh, I gotta know, you know, in life we have these literally pivotal moments that, uh, have us make these super drastic decisions, right? Where we've really got to dig deep yeah. within ourselves and perhaps seek outside guidance, so on and so forth. So what I'm going to ask you to do, we're going to kind of run through this exercise here. What would you say was the first defining moment of your life on your road to victory? It could be when you were five years old. Wow. <laughs> Put me on the spot. I mean. Yes. Yes. You know, I don't know exactly if there's one defining moment, right? I think it mm. was like a series of steps mm-hmm. along the way. I mean, that, that's kind of how I see it. Or at least, right, that certain things have to happen for other, other things or better things to, to be able to happen and, and or bad things, right? Because it can go both ways. It's not always just, uh, right? Um, y- you know, it's. I mean, I guess just starting off, just even just thinking about it, you know, the, the, the DNA that we're blessed with or not blessed with, like, that's always a thing. Right. So it's like, um, I got to think my grandma just, I mean, off the bat, because, um, looking back on my family history, <clears throat> nobody's been a runner. No, nobody's been into athletics. Nobody, um, but my grandma probably at 
I'm going to say like age 70, she was still jogging like two miles a day. What? It, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in this, um, um, it was, a uh, well, I was born kind of raised a little bit to the age of about four and a half or five, mm. uh, in this small community, which a couple of years ago didn't have running water, electricity. Where was this? This is in, uh, this, uh, in the state of Guanajuato, Mexico. Mm, so if you mm. point your finger almost directly in the center of the map, that's Guanajuato. A, okay. lot, a lot of people know it's San Miguel de Allende, which is beautiful. You're actually having a lot of people from the U.S. are moving there now. Mm. Um, but one, uh, but the, the, the spot, the little community is called Mojoneras. So it's um, at one, one point, and probably still today, it's still kind of in the middle of nowhere and just in the, within like the Mexican mountains and rolling hills I mean, it's, it's beautiful beautiful place um mm. but uh yeah um you know so i have memories of running with my grandfather there um but i think the credit has to go to grandma <laughs> yeah <laughs> definitely did she, you see yeah. her doing this um growing up so you know i was there until the age of uh, about five and then we came to the u.s um and then i spent probably i'm gonna say um see so about age 13 or 14 where we had to spend some time because we were going through our legal process and legal paperwork to, to put us on a path to citizenship. I mean, mm. it was, um, it would, it didn't happen overnight, right? Like all these things like take time. So, um, but going back to grandma, like she's still running at eight, you know, I, I mean, I forget exactly how old she is, but you know, she, at that point in time, she was try she would go and because of the, the, the way the community set up, right. The, this community, kind of like a very uh, farming agriculture based society community. Mm. So what would happen is like, you know, all the animal, you have to take out the animals and they're out like hurt, you know, hurting the sheep, the goats, cattle, whatever, whatnot. And so grandma would have to go back, jog like a mile to the house, grab food for my grandfather and then take it back to my grandfather. So I guess probably two to three miles, four miles a day or something, well, you know, just jogging. And, yeah. and she was, you know, in her, in her typical, like Mexican colorful thing rolling. Mm. Right. <laughs> yeah. So credit to my grandma for the jeans, um, because no one else in my family, at least that I know of probably, I mean, I'm sure they have them, but another thing is like, you know, how do you develop that? Wow. Okay. So you got to see that you, uh, you, was that inspiring at all to, to see, to see that? You know, well, and, and initially too, right? What happens is that sports in in Mexico, or at least in these agriculturally based, you know, communities, are, are not a thing. I mean, sports you, you do, yeah, no, no, no. Mm. It's like mm. people see the, the other, the next big sport is soccer, and mm -hmm. it's like you you only see that on TV, right? Or like there's, you know, and the next way out is like, hey, you come to the U.S. and you know, you kind of like grow up and you find a way to get here and work and you work, you know your butt off your tail off and, and all that. So my family brought me over when I was about four and a half or five, started kindergarten in Marble Falls, Texas, um, mm. was raised, um, kind of raised slash grew up in Granite Shoals and Marble Falls, Texas. I mean, nice. both, both amazing communities about an hour away from here. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I grew up. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you're, so you're in Marble Falls growing up, you went to school there, um, elementary, middle high. Yeah, yeah, uh, all the way, um, primary, all the way through 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 twelfth grade, through high school. Okay, and were you so, running yeah. the whole time? Um, so I've always had a knack for running. I mean, I remember running those. Um, you, you may may not remember the the presidential fitness awards and all that. Um, so what you as a part of school curriculum? Yeah, so it was like okay. a primary, right? right. So right. in PE, um, 
you know, depending on how many laps you ran, you would get these blue or red ribbons, like the presidential fitness award. Mm. And so I remember just lapping kids. I mean, it was just, <laughs> just something that I just, I was like, oh, I got this, you know, and then that kind of progressed, um, you know, I mean, I, it, it progressed into elementary, but really when it's really started happening is in, in middle school, um, mm. I had a coach who was a track coach, uh, coach summer, his name is coach Renault. So I had a, 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 kind of a small season with him. Um, and I wasn't that, I mean, I was decent, but I wasn't that good. Mm. Would get, was getting like third, fourth, fifth, you know, um, which is kind of like my introductory into track. The following year on, in seventh grade, a, um, there was a friend that invited me to join the cross country team. And needless to say, he didn't actually show up, but I ended up signing up. But uh, uh, I had to convince my dad to let me join the cross country team or to even just, yeah. Just Why? To, um, How come? So in the, in the Hispanic Mexican community, it's like, again, sports are looked at as just kind of like, hey, you're being lazy. This is something that you do in your off time mm, for fun. Yeah. That's for it. fun. Yeah yeah. 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 It's not seen as like, Hey, there's potential, there's possibility. It's not, it's not seen like that. And so, you know, I, I come home and I have to ask my dad, I'm like, Hey, can I join the cross country team? And he's like, well, no, like, <laughs> and he's like, you gotta, you gotta work, you know? And I'm like, Oh man, well, you know, as a kid, I'm, I think I'm like 12, 13 at, the, at that time. And, um, so I decided to make a deal that the deal was like, Hey, like, let me join the cross country team and, you know, I'll work during the summer and, and help, help with, you know, at least my own expenses or some household expenses. And then that's how he was like, okay, that sounds, that sounds fair. So he's you serious. You bartered with your father yeah, yeah, yeah. to so, be able yeah. to run cross country. Yep. yep. I think that's a valuable lesson yeah. there that everything's negotiable. Yeah, <laughs> it can be, it can be, but most, most of the things, most, most of the things, yeah. right. But as a kid, it's, Wow. You know, it's, it, there's, um, there's a saying that I was like, you only know what you don't know or something sure. like that. Right. Sure. And yeah. so at that point in time, I didn't know what I was doing. Like, I was just like, Hey, this is what I want to do. But mm. perhaps it was, you know, everybody has a calling, right. Or, or a, a calling impulse of, to do certain things. Right. Um, and for me, it was, it was running and that I, thought, I found a lot of joy in that. Now it seemed like, it seemed like the first roadblock so to speak, on your path to, to greatness was, in fact, your, your dad. It might have been a small roadblock because he kind of bent, so to speak, kind of easily. Yeah, you know. Right? Or no? Yeah, yes and no, right? Because yeah. um, there, there, were other, there were other roadblocks. <laughs> like, and we're going to get to he, those. He was, you yeah. know, he was pretty intense sometimes, mm. and, you know, sometimes a little bit on the physical side. So that, mm-hmm. that was, you know, there, was mm-hmm. just, there were some things that I had to kind of get ahead and but also like, you know, growing up, you know, it's, um, you know, as a, you're a boy and then all of a sudden, you know, right about that age, 12 or 13, you start becoming a man in, in a, in a sense, right? Like, I mean, of course there's still a lot of growing Get up. Get your to own do. voice yeah. at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you know, going back to the, um, so, you know, I make this deal with him. And so during that time, we, I guess we, I, during that time, I think we only had one family vehicle. Um, and so my dad would drop me off before work. So he, he starts work like at 6am. He's been <laughs> going to work. I mean, he's been working at this place for like 30, 40 years, like just for a long time. Starts at 6am, leaves work at 7pm or something like that. Like in some, <laughs> yeah. Dang. So he would drop me off like at 4.30 or five, like probably like five. And so I was, for the longest time, I was always like the first one to 
like show up. Yeah. <laughs> like okay. it, it would be like, you know, four thirty, five thirty in the morning. And then I was just like, okay, well, I guess I'll take a nap, you know, while everybody gets here. And then right about like six, six fifteen, everybody would start rolling in. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah. So okay, you woke up, you got a nice little power nap in. Yeah. And you're fresh and ready to go. Yeah, more more or less, right? I mean, yeah. it some sometimes it was cold, you know. <laughs> I can only imagine. Jeez. Cold winter morning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know, yeah. I, I did that all through um I guess, uh, what was that? I guess, uh, middle school into high school. And then right about like my sophomore year, um, I finally had a vehicle. So mm. then I was driving myself after that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so bringing it back, um, you're running pretty much as much as you can, right? Cause it was a part of you, part of who you are, right? Ever since, uh, when was that, that time where you knew you were hooked? I, I'm going to say that it was probably right at my seventh grade year when with, that with, coach. with a coach, yeah, her, her name is coach Nauman. And during that time, so, you know, coming up where I'm coming up from and, um, you know, not, uh, not having the resources, you know, so mm. like I had these, cause I had started working also even previously before that I started working right, maybe like around 12. Right. So I was like going into my seventh grade year, I had already had some, uh, some work boots were considered probably like hiking boots. Mm. So, you know, I show up to my first day of practice and I'm like just wearing, you know, hiking boots, jeans and a dress shirt. Um, just start running, just start running like that. And then everybody's like, oh man, this guy's st still doing well. Still like good. considering, considering he's, you know, running in this stuff. And so I mean, about two weeks in, uh, Coach Nauman gives me a pair of shoes, shorts, wow. and like just like the running attire. Wow. And that kind of started changing some things. I'm like, whoa, like, like, I mean, I know, we didn't have a lot, right? I mean, maybe mm. at that point, my parents couldn't quite afford or they just didn't quite see the investment in a pair of shoes, right? Mm. And so, so she gives me a pair of shoes, she gives me the apparel. And then it's like kind of from there, like one of my first meets, I mean, she, you know, my seventh grader, they put me on the JV uh, for the high school. That's cool. And um, yeah. I ended up winning the race. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Yeah, as a, uh, as a seventh grader what? in a JV race, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, it was in Lockhart, Texas. <laughs> Whoa. So, That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. I bet that made your week. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know what to think. I just, really? wanted, I just wanted to win. I yeah. was like, man, I'm going to go, I'm racing against these older guys, bigger guys. And I just wanted to win. And, and I won the JV race as a seventh grader. Man. So that was kind of like, that was kind of like a thing. Right. And then, yeah. um, and then, you know, going into the next following years, I'd always try to do summer track, but I was always working. And then, um, into like the school year, like track season and all that. Mm -hmm. So, um, just kind of found of a, found a different way to, to, to run. I think we might have somebody coming in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we're good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're good. Um, and, um, let me ask you what, uh, what age were you when you competed in the Olympics? So I was, um, you know, I'd got already gone through high school, went into college, got a, got a scholarship to run to the University of Texas. And um, so I graduated University of Texas right about 2008. And once I graduated, um, I was probably right about 22 at the time. Wow. I, I remember being one of the youngest. There was actually two of us. It was, there was a guy named Lopez Lamong and myself who were the, the youngest Olympians during that time at the Beijing Olympics. Like and, you too. Yeah. Yeah. Were yeah. 
the youngest. We were the youngest. Yeah. During that, during that time, at least, at least for track and field, at least for track and field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's kind of future casting yeah. here, forecasting here. So along the way from middle school, uh, I'm sure you had some serious wins under your belt, right? Starting off with the, the JV championship, right? I mean, after that, <laughs> was there any point in time uh, that you felt like you might've been burnt out? You know, that's um, not, necess- not necessarily in, not in middle school, not in high school. I mean, I just love to compete. I love to run. Um, you know, in middle school and in high school, something that started happening, like I, um, well, I guess as I go into high school, let me just explain this because when I go into high school, all of a sudden, um, so my sixth grade math teacher, uh, it kind of known about me and, and as, you know, as a middle schooler, people started kind of hearing about me. It's like, Hey, there's this kid that can run like, and you know, and the way that I'm running and all that, and there's all these little cool connections. So yeah. my, my sixth grade math teacher, um, and then also my track, one of my track coaches as a seventh and eighth grader, Coach Storer, right, which I'll bring in a little bit later on. Um, so as I'm going into high school, um, there's two coaches, two football coaches, um, and one of them's the husband of my sixth grade math teacher. Oh. Um, so it was, yeah. Yeah. And, um, so, but they're, you know, they're both football coaches. So it's coach Futrell, coach, um, coach Fletcher, two football coaches. I mean, they're, they love football, but they also have an affinity for track and field more. They're more on the distance side. They've had some, you know, state, uh, kind of like state, you know, qualifiers or state champions already in like the the hundred, 200, uh, but they've never have really dealt with like a middle distance runner or distance runner. Mm. So as football coaches, um, I have to have to hand it to them because they did they did their due diligence and going back and really trying to figure out like, hey, how do you coach a middle to long distance runner without burning him out? Right. And um, I think they they did an incredible job because I still I still credit the longevity in the sport that I had. I mean, I competed for like twenty one years. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I credit them actually it's really amazing because they didn't burn me out. Right. Um, and so right. as, as a kid, um, the, the whole concept of training was quality over quantity where you have some kids that are running like 70 something miles in high school. I mean, I was running like 30 to 40 miles per, per week, but probably at a higher intensity. Interesting. Yeah. Goodness. Uh, yeah, that, ma- that makes sense. Huh. And then when it comes to recovery, uh, Janji, the, the, uh, uh, jiu-jitsu champion had touched upon this and um, he said some really interesting things that I had never ever thought about he says we grow when we rest well, we'll leave it at that I'm curious to see your take on recovery yeah I mean there are so many things right when you think about recovery um, and the recovery stuff didn't actually start happening until a little bit later because um, just kind of like you I'm always like on the go right and so <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of energy. Yeah. There, there is a lot of energy. Uh, and so I'm going to, I'm going to probably go in right into, you know, as I'm, I learned more about recovery when actually after my first Olympics. So Mm. after my first Olympics, that's when I really started getting into the, the recovery and like doing all the things and all that. So how come, um, when 2012, right. Um, excuse me, in 2008, after uh, Beijing, during that time, I probably, I think I finished like, um, I made the semifinal 
was out in the semifinal. I was probably somewhere like right around 12th in the world or something during that time. But I got my butt kicked. (laughs) Oh, man. So, you know, as a, as a guy that, you know, um, I, during that time I had just signed with, um, with Nike as well. And it was like, okay, well, like there's a future in this. I can do something, but it's like, man, I got to figure all this stuff out. And now like you come out of being in college, you know, or, you know, I'm just a kid, you know, still, you know, 22. And then I'm like, okay, well, there's other things and there's guys that are better than me. And it's like, okay, well, we got to, you know, if we want to be good, like what, what do you need to do to be good? Yeah. Right. And to improve. That's a great question. Yeah. What do you need to do? Yeah. What do you need? Or what do I have to do? Right. Mm -hmm. What do I have to do? Right. Um, That's a powerful question. Yeah. What do I I'm sure that was to to become at the level, to get to the level that you were at. Yeah. You probably obsessed over that question. Yeah. I mean, it's just an assumption. You, you, you become, you you do become a little bit obsessive in the way that you carry yourself and the things that you do, uh, potentially even the things that you, that you think. So let me ask you this. Olympics, you were one of the youngest people. Did you say you were going to school when you were training for that? So I had, um, I graduated, um, well, so I graduated in 2008. Um, I think it was the, maybe the fall or interestingly, no, I had already, it, no, it must have been June or July because the Olympics were in August. Okay. So I, I graduated like sometime in July, I think, June or July. Yep. Uh, went into my first Olympics. I had just signed with Nike during that time. That fall, I still got to come back and finish school, though. <laughs> oh, so you're training for the Olympics, going to school full time? Um, not, 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 not during that time. So I, I came back after the Olympics okay. to to finish up school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, so you you were able to dedicate all your energy and effort. D- Is that right? Is that during right? that time, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. What uh, What did you have to resist? What did you have to say no to in order to compete at that level and to to stay in your training regimen? Well. You know, you weren't running all the time. Going from college to, you know, from 2008 to 2012, there was a big learning curve. Like mm. more, more of, there was more maturity, right? Because in, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think in, uh, oh boy, yeah, in, in college, I mean, I, I like to have a good time. I mean, just like Guy every like other you. kid, you know, like, what's that? Guy like you likes to have a good time. Oh, of course. <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it's like, there were, there were things in college, like, of course, right? You know, if you're going to be out, like, hey, you got to be going like at 615. That's what I'm saying. Like, I didn't really learn the, the whole aspect of recovery until later. And so there were times where I would go out and, you know, I'd be down on 6th Street, ha- you know, hanging out, having a good time. And then all of a sudden I'm, I'm you know, waking up, at six, going to bed at 3, 4 in the morning, waking up like at 630 or whatnot. And then it's like, okay. But, hey, the, you know, there was always, there was always that saying, it's like, hey, if you're, a man at night and be a man in the morning, you know, type of thing. And if my dad taught me anything, it's like, Hey, show up. Right. And I still to this day, I, you know, like, I think the biggest thing is showing up. Right. Yeah. yeah. You got to show up. Yeah. And you're, you're, uh, being able to see your dad keep those uh, intensive hours year after year, 5.00 AM, 6.00 PM consistently getting them work. Right. <laughs> yeah. He set the example. Yeah. So yeah. you had your grandma who, who was um, just uh, running uh, all, everywhere, right? Um, and then your, your dad setting the example of consistency. Um, that, that's huge. What about, what about negative influences in your life? Anything get in your, anything enter your life that kind of maybe got you off track? There's always stuff, right? Um, you know, I, I kind of wanted to go back and kind of hit a point though. So the learning curve, right, was it's like, hey, like there's some things that I probably didn't do so good. Right. Mm. So I mean, it's, even though you don't want to mess up or F up, right. 
there was times that I did, right? But those are also important and crucial because you learn a lot from that. It's like, okay, well, I already know what not to do. Mm-hmm. What, what are the things that I can start doing now, right? And so as I went into the next phase, into the next Olympic cycle, mm. it's like, okay, like, what do I have to do, right? And that's when I, you start doing all the little things, right? The eating, the sleeping, um, I mean, every, everything. Like, you think about it, like, I mean, in terms of recovery, right? That there was like things that I was like, after a workout, like, um, you know, you'd get like, it's called a flush, right? You get flushed out and then you go hit an ice bath and then, you know, or, or you do a contrast bath. And if it was a really intense workout, then you would go back home and then you would do like some kind of like Epsom salt bath, right? So it was like everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and during those years leading up to 2012, you know, in, in terms of like, I, there was like very minimal to almost no alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of people are, um, they do a like kind of a, when they're runners, they t- tend to do a lot of like carbs. I kind of just kept it at like strict protein, like in some like vegetables and just like greens, but, um, That's very, surprising. very minimal carbs. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was a 5% body fat during that time. Whoa. Or so. How yeah. much did you weigh? At like 123. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For 5'5, I mean, 123 is like I mean, running weight. Nothing. Man. Yeah. yeah. Um, not fighting weight. Run away. Yeah. Well, technically it's both. Yeah. It's both. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you say flush, I wrote, made a note here. Is that when they get help with the lactic acid? Yeah. Is, yeah. That, is that right? Okay. Yeah. So if yeah. you think about it, right, like, uh, like a typical, I'm just saying like a typical workout for a mid distance runner is like 12 by 400, right? But you, you start off with the, your warm ups, your drills, and then you go right into, um, like a workout like that. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's, um, there's a lot, if, if you've ever just sprinted like 200 meters or 400 meters, you know what lactic acid feels like. It just kind of feels like all of a sudden, like your legs kind of go into shock. Um, like something's is, is intruded into your legs and you can't just move anymore. And like, like it's full, like, of, full of concrete. Yeah. 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 And so that's actually the, the feeling of lactic acid. So it's like, mm. when all of a sudden you just can't move. Right. Mm. So imagine doing that 12 times, right. Where you like, say you do like a rep, right? You do a 400, you rest. I mean, rest can be anywhere from 45 minutes to a minute and a half, sometimes even two minutes, depending on where you're at during the season. Yeah. But if you do 12 of them all of a sudden, like imagine how much gunk, right? How much lactic acid buildup that's in your legs. Insane. Yeah. So then, um, you know, but the reason why you're doing that is because, you know, you're, so we, we, we were training for the metric mile, the 1500 meters which, you know, or the mile, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes even the 800 meters, which is the half mile. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you're running these laps, uh, potentially, you know, at least a, an average of like 60 seconds. You know, sometimes you can dip down into 55 and depending on what the workout's calling for, you, sometimes you dip down to like 50 to 51 seconds, right? Four or 400 meters. In training. In training. And sometimes you got to do 12 of them, right? You're not going to put all like back-to-back no. 51s or 50 seconds. No, but like an average, let's say an average of like 57 seconds per, per lap. Um, right. (laughs) With significant recovery. Crushing it. Yeah. With significant recovery. Right. But it's also, you know, so just, yeah, if you imagine how much like lactic acid, but that's just to, in preparation to run one mile. Yeah. And, and there's, um, uh, a measurement of lactic acid, right? You could do it test in your ear or something. What, what would you typically get up? Do you have any idea about during, this? You know, during that time, I, I just have always gone off a of feel, Yeah. right? Yeah. Nowadays, they have more technology. Okay. Right? I mean, you know, so yeah. I was 2008, you know, this is kind of like Instagram was just becoming a thing. Like mm. I didn't start with the, like all the tech stuff. 
probably until after 2012, like sometime like 2015 or 16. That's when I started doing all the all the like the test, you know, the finger test and, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but beforehand, it was just off of just feeling, right? Which I think is pretty important, actually. Mm -hmm. um, because now, nowadays, like people have their watch and like, oh, I'm at, you know, 160 or 180 beats per minute. But it's like, well, what are you feeling now? You know, like, what are you? Yeah. Know? Yeah, you got to take that yeah. into account. Yeah. Um, what, would you, what would you say your secret sauce is? <laughs> secret sauce, man. Um, and it could be, it could be, uh, what do you call it? Like a, a ritual, right? It could be something that's totally made up that, you know, it, it doesn't have anything to do with anything, but it make it puts you in a mindset. You know, I, you know, it could be a real thing. It's anything. not, um, not necessarily like a secret sauce, but I think, um, you know, in all this running or competitive realm, right. It's like, you know, sometimes there's a lot of nerves, right. Mm. And, um, what is nervousness? Sometimes you can kind of equate it to fear or whatnot. Right. Um, but I've, I think along the way, I've always just been just, you know, I've had, well, faith in myself, but also just faith in God. Right. And just being like, Hey, whatever, whatever happens, it's going to be fine. Right. But as you're stepping into these, like, um, these races and, you know, there's a lot of nervousness. Right. So it's like, whether you say that there is nothing or whether there is something, right. Like I've always just, I've always believed in God and I'm like, you know what, let me just fall into that. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's what I've always done. So mm, that's powerful. You know, and I, I got that sense that um I, I felt that when you when you're in here. Um it's it's hard to explain. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm a believer myself. And uh yeah, that's uh wow. I don't even know what to say about that. Hmm. How can, how can one apply that principle to their lives and their, their own successes, right? Um, it, not asking for an answer here, but I think it's something to be aware of. Yeah, well, it's also, um, I, I think a lot of the time, right, like, um, you know, I, so I grew up Catholic, right? I'm, I don't think I'm super practicing Catholic anymore. Um, I actually believe in all religions. I, I think it's amazing. You can get so much, like, beauty and gold nuggets from all these just religions, right? Like Buddhism, Hinduism, I mean, you have all this totally. stuff, like just like an insane amount of like beauty, right? And um, I just like taking the best from everyone. But however, it's like you take the best and you just apply it to yourself, right? Um, what I've noticed that just along the way, right? Uh, whether you call it God or you, you call it source or the universe, right? Which, you know, I don't know, know exactly how to explain it because I, I do believe that it's probably way bigger than we can even imagine, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? So, mm -hmm. um, you, every, you know, and that's why I think people should have the freedom to call it whatever they want to call it, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I call it God, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, or, and sometimes, you know, like I also feel that it, God and the universe kind of go hand in hand, right? Because sometimes like when you open up and like you want certain things, right? Like you have to kind of bring it back to yourself in a way. And it's just working on yourself um, and kind of going back to the racing, right? It's like, Hey, if, if I'm doing everything that I need to do, right. And uh, having faith in myself, having faith in God, you know, some, and I do feel like they go hand in hand, right. Then it's like, you know, usually the obstacles start kind of like maneuvering. Right. But it's also like, you got to put in the work. If you don't put in the work, then it's like, then how do you expect for God to help you out? <laughs> That's like the gas. Yeah. 
the gas yeah. and the engine, right? Yeah. You got all the components to for the car. You got to fuel it with the work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you said that you um, there were some some mishaps along the way, some mess ups along the way. Let's let's uh, share with the class uh, what, what, what all happened there. <laughs> so, um, 2007, right? Um, excuse me. Actually, 2009. Excuse me. This is uh, there were so many races. So a, a total of um, I've probably made like 10 USA teams. Whoa. Um, right, right around that, right? Um, I, I probably need to go back and check. But actually, you know what? It was seven USA teams, and then. Um, I was at a 11 USA championships. Um, but going back to 2009, right? And sometimes like they are. Kind of, sure. Uh, so 2009, uh, I was doing pretty well. Actually, I was, you know, getting on top of everything that I needed to do. I'd been kind of training very similar to the, to, um, I guess, uh, the way I'd been training. But my body actually needed more different type of training, right? In terms of strength work, which I had no idea during that time. That's interesting. And so mm. um, I do. I did make a world championship in, I believe it was Korea. And I'm coming around in the semifinal and then coming around like the last 200 meters, the last 100 meters or something. And I, f- I think it's my left um, hamstring. Just I just feel this pop. Mm. And I'm trying – and I'm no, normally known for my kick. So, so, so people, like if you go back and watch my YouTube videos – People are like, oh, like watch out for his kick, you know. Uh, just kind of like a, it's almost like hitting like the Nas button or the Nitro, or you know, it's just it's kind of like an extra move that you have. And so people have always known me for that. Mm. And I was as I was getting ready to start that up, it was just like the engine blew off and my leg was just done. <laughs> That's crazy. So then yeah. I, I didn't make the final, man, mm. and that was pretty disappointing. You know, especially coming off an Olympic year, I'm like, man, I should have made that final. Um, I didn't make it. Um, what, what causes uh, a hamstring tear? For so I, I'm going to yeah, there's probably a couple of things, but I'm just going to say that it was probably deficiencies and weaknesses that usually stem from the oh. um, the glutes. Um, uh, sometimes the hamstrings can be pulling more, which actually, at least from from what I have kind of dealt with, right? And people could probably tell you otherwise, but at least what I've dealt, always dealt with is that. Um, the, the glutes are probably one of the strongest muscles in, in your body, mm-hmm. right? So if, if you can find ways to activate the, your glutes um, so that your hamstrings don't do all the work, like that's actually where that, where, yeah. So it's like, these are your motors, right? Yeah. And, and if, if all of a sudden, if you have, I don't know, like say, like you can kind of look at the, what is it? Uh, you know, nowadays there's electrical cars, but like, if you look at, you know, certain cars that are, still gas powered they have like a little band right that and that's i I, that's potentially like your hamstring right it's Mm -hmm. kind of pulling and all that but it's not your motor right but all of a sudden you put that tension right and you're making that work more than than anything else then at some point it's going to give right so if you think about like your hamstring like that and that's kind of what happened is like that i was putting a lot of making it work more than it need needed to or actually the motors are in the glutes and and the good news is about that right it's not like you were intentional by not working your glutes. No, I wasn't. I wasn't intentional. Yeah. It was just like it wasn't a, a self-deprecating mishap. No, yeah, no, yeah, it yeah. was just like out of the ordinary. So what happens, right? Too is that the body's smart. The body's so smart, and when you're doing certain things, like it all of a sudden just starts adapting, and it becomes very. Uh, I mean, it almost. Come, it almost. It's becomes like a subconscious 
uh, program in a way. You know, however, it's your body, right? It's just your body just knows and it's smart and it just does. That's right? cool. So sometimes what you have to do is you have to switch up the work, switch it out, get it out of that state of just no, just running on that on that program, mm. kind of shake it up, right? Uh, yeah, um, I don't talk about. And so what I had to do is like completely revamp my my strength workouts. Mm. Um, I went into Olympic lifts, so where there was more activation in the glutes, um, and doing other things that were during that time I wasn't doing like super weights. I'm talking like we were doing like hand clean, hand cleans and hand clean high pulls, like Olympic style type lifts. Yeah. Um, those are fun. Yeah. 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 Those are fun. They activate the entire body. And have you been doing that, um, strength, strength training period, like I, ever in your running yeah, career? Yeah. So yeah. a big shout out to one of my strength coaches, Trey Zepeda. I mean, that guy, um, he, he's around town. He, I, I believe he was working for a company called Sornex. I haven't seen him in a while, so I don't know if he's still there, but if mm. he is, big shout out to him regardless. That's cool. Um, so he, thanks to him, uh, we, we, I had worked with him in college and it came back to him after like a two or three year hiatus and just working with him was, just really changed up the way, the things that I was just, it changed up my body, my body physique, my tone, like everything. Um, I just felt stronger. I felt more confident. Like, I mean, all these things that we were doing in the weight room. So there's a principle that stands out to me here. Uh, I learned it in Tim Ferriss's book, uh, For Our Work Week. There's always a lateral option, right? It seems like you found exactly what you needed to do in your strength training to get you to the next yeah. step yeah. to counterbalance what you've just gone through. Right. Well, if you also think about running, it's just a forward, a forward straight movement, right? So that it, just imagine like all the muscles that you're not using, right? Mm. <laughs> So mm -hmm. it's like, you have to, at some point, it, something's going to give if you're just doing, going just a straight motion. And so when you're getting in the weight room and you're doing, you know, it, it, you, there's, um, if you think of the body kind of like, uh, I mean, it kind of is a car and you think about like, um, how sometimes in the tires you have to adjust certain things, right? So that, um, you might have to help me out here. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got the weights in there. Well, and, well, the, the weights are kind of like, so you have to, you know how sometimes you got to rotate the tires or like, mm -hmm. um, almost like the frame you got to like and, and balance, balance them. them yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So it, the body's the same way. The body's the mm -hmm. same way. Like you have to, you know, so a lot of the times it's like, you know, you look at your weaknesses and it's okay, well, what can we do to, you know, strengthen that? Mm -hmm. So in terms, mm -hmm. in terms of muscles and all that. Yeah. That's, that's a really good, uh, message to people. If we were to wrap that message up in a, in a bow, it would, it would be um, perhaps check, check your, uh, your training styles. If you're doing the same old thing, maybe your body could use a shift. Yeah. Right? Or yeah. a quote-unquote shock as some of these uh, like P90X <laughs> likes to use. Or, yeah. Or, or shock your muscles. No, I, absolutely. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah just switch it up, right? Mm. Mm. And you talked a little bit about diet. I thought that was fascinating. Low-carb diet as a runner. And what were the... Uh, competitors typically eating any any insight on that a, a lot of a lot of the runners i mean even more more so long distance runners they usually do a lot of carbs like pastas and you know the rice and um mm. probably a lot more like flowery stuff um but it was like for me i just felt like i just always gained weight like i was just you know mm. there was more weight to it and then once i cut all that stuff out and just kind of kept it like more protein whether it, uh primarily more chicken Mm -hmm. Um, you know, on occasion I'd, I'd incorporate some red meat in there. Um, 
but that, I mean, that just, you know, and definitely some greens, right? You definitely have to incorporate some greens in there. But then I felt like that was like, I would get the, the max use of my body. And it's like, even now today, right? As I, I'm recently just starting to get back into shape, but for myself, not, not, no super running or anything, mm. uh, but just getting back in the gym. And I feel like even just starting that back up, like I'm starting to feel result, results pretty quick. Mm. So Yeah. It, and if, if you want to fly, why not eat a bird? <laughs> yeah yeah you become right a, something that well um yeah. there's just very kidding. there's very minimal fat on in in chicken or the yeah in aviary, aviary i don't even know if i'm saying it right aviary, but, yeah aviary right. stuff yeah and uh when it comes to to did you ever let's just put it out there did you ever think about throwing in the towel when it comes to running there were several times actually so, several several times yeah like get ballpark so what, three times, uh, I'll 10? say, I'll say that right at 2009, where, um, when I kind of got hurt, I definitely had to think about it. I'm like, man, should I just go for another Olympic? Cause you also got to think, right. It's 40 years. It's a four year commitment for an mm. Olympic cycle. And it's like, damn, can I do it or can I not? And there, I mean, there was something still deep within the system. I was like, yeah, like I'd like to do this. So I went another four years. So I get to 2012, right. And during that time, um, you know, I, you know, I make the London Olympics. There were some things that, some, some obstacles along the way, but may, I made the Olympics, um, got a silver medal in the Olympics. And um, after the medal, I am actually not able to renegotiate my contract agreement with my sponsor. Mm. Um, and that was pretty tough because it's kind of like when you are, it's kind of like your job, right? And all of a sudden, for me, I thought I did the everything that I could. And during that time, oh. I, yeah, it's just, we weren't quite able to make it work. Um, and mm. so then I went a year, about a year and a half without a sponsor uh, and just kind of was living off my savings and race winnings, which, you know, like all of a sudden though, like, you know, you're, you're spending all this money on flights and hotels. And so you're technically just evening out. Right. So, um, so that was pretty tough. Right. Because even during that time, like I, uh, my son was just born too. And, and it was like, man, like I have a family at home. Like I got to make sure to produce. And it's like, man, should I throw in the tower? You know, fortunately for me though. Well, so, so no, no income or slash sponsor. Yeah. Uh, son was born. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now this is, this right here is, is, uh, probably a highlight of, of the show here, right? Cause you've got, you're at a major crossroads in your life. This is certainly what we would call a pivotal moment. And, uh, how do you go through that decision-making? Well, one of the things that, kind of was coming up for me was like, man, it really feels like, you know, and, and I'm regardless of whatever it was, wh whether it was business or whatever, like on my end, it felt like these people wanted me out of the sport at that time. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Like, like I'm going to go out on my own terms. Like I'm not going to allow anybody else to be like, Hey, you know, like it's done. Right. I stayed in the sport and, um, I competed that year. I still finished a second place at the USA Championships uh, without a sponsor. Wow. Um, the following nice. year, like right around June, nah, it must have been like March or April, um, uh, my, my new agent calls me and he's like, hey, there's a company called Hoka. He's like, you should check them out. Uh, it's just like just starting out, right? And it's, they got these shoes, that crazy looking shoes, what, like with the maximalist stuff. Totally. And what, and what year was this? This is um, 2014, like beginning of like March or April of 2014. March of 2014, because I signed with them in, in April. I ask because now, yeah. now, yeah. Well, in the past 
12 months, I'll say that I see them everywhere. Yep. That's why I was curious yeah. is when they so kind of started. This yeah. is kind of a funny, yeah. funny story. So, yeah. you know, I, my agent reaches out to me and he's like, hey, you should check out this company, Hoka. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, you know, like, well, you know, I see the shoes and I'm like, I was like, I don't know if I can run in this. Like, <laughs> like what kind of shoes are they? Like, the, you know, the big old clunkers. I'm like, man, like, I don't know if I'm like, but you know what? Um, let's have them send me a pair of shoes. Mm. So like literally like the next day or two days later, they send me like seven pairs of shoes. Mm. And I'm like, looking at I'm like, I don't know if I can run these. Like, these are like, look so odd and strange. And, and so <laughs> I was a little bit like self-conscious. So I took him out to this secret location here in Austin, Texas, this park. Secret. Secret <laughs> Undis- park. Undisclosed Where location. nobody could see me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, like, what, what is this? And so then out of the seven shoes, there were three of them that I liked. And I was like, okay, I could, you know, you know, and at this point there was nobody, there was no other sponsors that were really like reaching out and i'm like well like i think it could work like i could probably make it work mm. and so i'm like you know let, let me take a chance on these on on hoka you know um so after i you know more or less decided that i, I would like to continue the conversations with them they flew me out to california and then i met the president there and then we just wow. kind of hit it off and then um like april like beginning of april i signed with them and uh, during this point, they didn't even have like, when I signed with them, they didn't have, they didn't even have a track spike. Mm. Um, but I put it up on social media. Like, hey, I just signed with this new company, Hoka. And people went berserk. They're like, what have you done? Like, you just like, you just ruined your, your racing career. Your track career is done. And all these comments about, man, you're wearing like, like, dude, those look like moon boots and just there's all this hate, right? And I'm like, damn, did I do the right thing or not? I was like, <laughs> I was like well, you know what? Regardless, like I'm here. Yeah. Well, thanks to Hoka. The next, I come in that year, I win another national championship. Wow. Um, one of the guys that I was supposed to race at the national championship, who was kind of the, the, be- the better guy, or, you know, supposedly the, the better guy that year, he didn't, he didn't, he decided not to race, race the national championship. So then hmm. I ended up racing him in Monaco, like probably like two weeks, two Freaking months Monaco? later, like a month, yeah, like a what? month to two months later yeah. and ended up beating him. And then I ran like the, so at this point too, um, wow. Yeah. And, and so, so I, uh, according to this guy that ended up commenting on this, uh, on this thread that, right. He's like, not only did you win the, the, uh, the official like national championship, but also the unofficial national championship. <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, going back, like, like Hoka took a chance on me and, you know, thanks to them, like you know, I was able to continue on and I went, I continued on for another four years till about 2018. Whoa. So, yeah. Wow. Just got a random call from, from your agent. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, Hey, there's this, there's this company called Hoka, right? You believed Um, in them and they believed in you. Yeah. That's partnership. Yeah. 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 And you still are with them. I am. Yeah. Yeah. So now, um, so I was, Hoka is number three, number three athlete, um, probably their biggest track and field athlete, but because, because beforehand they were only into trail running, they started off at, uh, in the French Alps, mm. um, kind of like for these runners, uh, that, um, that do these, you know, well, they obviously they do these ultra marathons, like a hundred to 200 miles, depending on what they're doing long. But, and the reason, the reasoning for, for these shoes at that time, the, the, the thickness was because these guys were running downhills, right. And, and people wanted a shoe that could take the pounding when you're coming down. Have you ever tried running downhill? Oh yeah. And it, yeah. you know how like, it's just on your, on your knees, it's just brutal. Right. So mm. that was the whole reasoning behind the Hoka thing. Um, 
However, in 2014, the company got acquired by Decker's Brands. Um, and then they just got it like a, uh, the two guys that actually came up with the concept of, uh, of the shoes, um, Nico, um, uh, what is it? N- N- regardless, they look like mad science. I mean, they literally look like Albert Einstein. Great. Um, and Great. so, but yeah, Essential. like, they, yeah, so they're, yeah. they're still, they're still involved with the company they're still making shoes and all that. So, mm. yeah. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So the Albert Einstein crew, they came on, uh, yeah. they were essential piece to of the puzzle yeah and yep. so it really interesting and pretty awesome is that when i signed they didn't have spikes within six months of me signing they, they had mm-hmm. a working prototype which mm. um supposedly right like just co- coming up with a pair of shoes and making it like it's not easy and especially <laughs> not not in six months and they hashed something out quickly that's interesting yeah i wouldn't uh i wouldn't know anything about that i wouldn't yeah. also think though that it takes a very long time hmm. yeah i mean there's a lot of things that have you know you the, the the design and then you know you have to kind of send it out to see you know like hey let's get some working prototype and sometimes they're having to ship out to like another country to get the shoe done it gets sent back and it's like where well, is it to the specs does it make sense you know all this stuff right i mean i can't fully tell you because i don't work in that department sure but, um but there's a lot that goes into legitimate it. engineering yeah yeah feats yep yeah okay yeah. that's cool that's cool yeah so bringing up um bringing up to the future here and what you have going on now, and then followed up by uh, the message you like to uh, to leave with people, every people person you meet. So, wh- what are you doing these days? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know that's actually a good question. Um, I do a little bit of everything. Mm. Just um, primarily, I'm really trying to enjoy life. So, I spent 21 years running, 11 of those years professionally, mm. um, and that was really what. Uh, I mean, that was that was all I did. Right. And so now I'm like, man, there's so much more to life than, than just running. Of course, running was fantastic and phenomenal for the time that I did it. But right now there's just an entire world to just explore and to see. And I'm like, man, like I just want to enjoy as much as I can. So, um, you know, I'm still, I'm a consultant now for Hoka. Mm. Um, I also, um, I'm also a track and field agent. So I work with other athletes to help them in their, in their pursuits. And, I've uh, been really fortunate that we've already had a, a couple Olympians come out of that. Wow. Um, nice job. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It's yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, I've also, uh, I've been taking acting classes, acting classes, and then I, that's another realm that I've, I've recently been exploring as well. Wow. So that's still kind of on the, going slow, but it's, it's, you know, one step at a time, one day at a time type Passion of Passion project. Type of thing. Yeah. And yeah. then, uh, you know, also if, um, you know, we've, my 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 fiance and I have got also gotten into like oh. into some real estate stuff too. Yeah. Some uh, you know we're running an Airbnb, looking at properties, um, just stuff here and there, right? So it's just you know enjoying life, trying to figure out life. Um, you know, did the whole running thing, literally ran in circles for years. <laughs> literally. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So and now that. it's like trying to get that get out and explore life. So. That's that's uh that's a fun life. It's um, the, the uh, running life or the or the or the, well, the, the, now. the mixture. Yeah, the not. Yeah, it is. It's, there's a lot to it, right? There's there's a lot to it, and I, I think it. Um, you know, going back on f- focusing on you, I think right now that's one of the important pieces, right? It's like because I did running for a long time, it was just very outwardly focused, and one of the things I'm trying to do now is like bring it back in, and it's like, hey, you know, like I got to just work on myself and and kind of just you know, we all have like you know, you know, weaknesses or insecurities. And it's like, man, how do you make yourself better? Right. And so, Mm. you know, in a way, continuously just working on myself and figuring out like, 
what do I really like to do, right? I mean, I enjoyed the running part for a long time, but like now, like I get to explore and kind of just see what, what else is out there. Mm. So. Mm. Yeah, I've got a fun exercise I'll share with you. Yeah, let's go. Once, uh, <laughs> once we're wrapped up here. Okay. Yeah, um, that'll help you get clarity on something like that. It helped me. It yeah. might help you. We'll see. Yeah. 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 Um, and then what kind of message do you want to be known for? Like, like if someone, you meet a stranger, you know, how, how are they going to feel after they meet you? You know, does that question make sense? Like, yeah. You know, and, and I, th- I think ultimately, right. It's, um, I, I'll just say that it's like, well, Obviously, believe in yourself mm-hmm. and um, mm. just work on yourself, right? Believe in yourself and work on yourself. Yeah, yeah, it seems like that's kind of been a theme of the conversation. Yeah, is that internal aspect of of all of this? Yeah. Um. But 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 you also mentioned it's a little bit of spiritual, mm-hmm. right? And then you also mentioned putting in the work. Uh, black and white, no other way to cut it. Put in the work. Yeah. Do the hard stuff. Yeah. So compile all those three things, and uh, it's a, it's the making of uh, a champion. Hmm. 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 If you guys aren't fired up, I don't know what's going to do it. <laughs> I don't know what's going to do it. Wow. And let me ask you this: you know, people are probably going to get inspired by your story and have questions. How can they? Uh, how can they find you? Where can they find you? Yeah, I'm on. I'm on Instagram. I primarily use Instagram. I use Facebook on occasion, but Instagram's like my jam. Uh, info. Uh, it's um. Excuse me. It's Leo Manzano on Instagram. At Leo Manzano. Yep. At Leo Manzano. Uh, anything else? Any other websites that we need to check out? Um, I do have a website, but it's um. I'm currently working on it right now as okay. we as we speak. So, but. Check yeah. me out on at, at Leo Manzano on Instagram. Go to the gram and also check out his Airbnb if you ever want a trip in Austin. Um, does your Airbnb have a nickname by chance? It, well, or is that a work in progress? No, that is, is also that's also a work in progress. Okay, okay. but um, but that's another coming soon fun project as well. Yeah, that'll be yeah. that'll be good. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, started one in, in uh, New Orleans. Oh, you did? Yeah. Oh man, I just got one over there. You're gonna uh, do a couple good. months back. You're gonna do good. It's fun. Yeah, little hotel owners over here. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, this was this was really awesome. Thank you so much for for coming in, Leo. Thank you. Super nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, this is this is as a, what I had thought. You check out Leo's Instagram page, and uh, you see nothing but good energy, good vibes. The second you meet him in real life, you uh, experience the same thing. Folks, make sure to check him out. Greg Carlson, Pivotal Moments Podcast. Signing off. Till next time. Sweet. Cheers. Thank you. <laughs>